Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Losses Above Replacement, the best baseball podcast to grace your ears. My name is Alex Clark, and I am your host today, joined, as always, by the always-ready, not-named Freddy, Matthias Allman Kurosaki, and Ryan Splash Potts. My main men, how are we doing on this fine Tuesday evening? I'm just chilling. You know, I'm h- hanging in there. Uh, you know, w- work is kind of kind of beat me down, but... Uh, I, you know, it's always fun to get on and talk some baseball. So it's it, I I find this to be a good way to end a long work day for me. Yeah, I, I feel you. I've had back to back 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. shifts. Um, so I'm glad I get a bit of a reprieve tomorrow. I have to go in at one. I do work for eight and a half hours, but um, I'm employed. That's exciting. At least employed until our podcast goes to the moon and overtakes Joe Rogan and co. So uh lar to the moon not the rams though (laughs) cameron grimes would be proud anyway no i'm doing all right i'm also you know just working a lot Uh, i didn't sleep a whole lot over the last week so i finally got a full night's rest last night and it was delightful but it's that time we're gonna get started with the podcast and we took a break from it last week we're back to it now we are doing our top five position lists this week it is the shortstop the position that the coach's dad always puts his son at aside from pitcher so there are a ton it was kind of weird the last time that we were talking about this it was the second baseman if i remember right oh no it was the it was the second baseman or was it third, third baseman third it was third baseman yeah and it felt a little bit weird because there was a pretty interesting skill gap near the top. And even in the top five, it was pretty interesting trying to figure out where to go from there. So with this one, I'm not so sure how it's going to go. I may have a contrarian opinion to people. We'll see how it goes. We each all have our top five shortstops here. And let's start out here with not Splash. How about you start out? this time who is your number five shortstop currently going into 2023 all right coming in at number five on the ryan splash pots archivon memorial shortstops list i have the owner of the texas rangers the owner of globe life field that is one Corey seager famous for being kyle's brother um seager had a weird season to put it lightly with texas last year um his first year in Texas, his first year out of LA, and it just it never got going the same way you thought it would. But then he ends the season with reasonable numbers. He ends the season, you know, with numbers that aren't I didn't find out of the ordinary for a Corey Seeger. I, you know, he was reasonably healthy. Um, surprisingly, you know, he had 593 at bats. He had four war. He played 150 games for just the second time in his career, and you know, he put together a season that. Like 33 home runs it was a career high. It nearly um you tack on about 10 from his previous career high. And the the counting stats I thought were there. The uh slash line was not there. He only hit 245. Um, but moving into a new ballpark, he's going to be a, a beneficiary of a the shift leaving um as a, a lefty, strong lefty pull guy. Um, I, I do think he's going to have a, a bounce back season from a rate perspective, and perhaps he isn't a horrible defender. He had a negative three defensive runs saved last year. Not quite as bad as he had been in previous years, but he's not a good defender like the rest of the list is going to be. But uh, I do I do have Corey Seager coming in at number four, number five, sorry. 
And I'm going to agree with you. I also have Corey Seager coming in at number at number five. And I will say that his defense did improve, though. Uh, he had positive outs above average, which is definitely a step forward. He also had positive UZR. Uh, so he, his range is still there. Like I said, 2.0 UZR, uh, four outs above average. And then offensively, it was just like a weird season, sort of, as like, like you said, Splash, I mean, 33 home runs is a career high, but he only hit 245, which is a career low. Only he had a 317 on base on only a 772 OPS, which over the course of a full season, are that's all career lows. But then you look at his advanced batting, and he only struck out 15.5% of his at-bats. You know, his walk rate was at 8.8%, which is around his career average. His hard hit rate, 45.6%. But his ground ball rate went down to 40.2%, and his fly ball rate went up to 30.3%, which is a career high. But the thing that makes me think that he's due for a bounce-back season is that he only had a 242 batting average on balls in play. A 242. And this is a guy who was shifted on more than anyone else in the majors. So I think Seager, I feel like people are almost sleeping on him, like forgetting how good he actually is. So Seager's at five. I think he's going to be in for a big season this year. Like maybe he doesn't hit over 300 again, but I think this is a guy who could get up around a 900 OPS again, hit 30, 35, maybe even 40 homers. So I'm excited to see what Corey Seager can do this year. So here's my bid here, and I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball here. I actually don't even have Corey Seager in my top five. I have someone else at number five. I went, uh, <laughs> excuse me, with Bo Bichette. I think that Bo is a very interesting player at shortstop. Defensively, not great. Like he's I not great. He's okay. Uh, but at the same time, like I think that his bat more than makes up for it. He's again one of those kinds of guys that when he steps up to the plate. You fear him. You understand that when he is at the dish and he is hot and he is on, he is a menace at the plate. So I think right now, when you look at his stats overall, over the course of the 2022 season for Bo, he had a 5.9 walk rate, not great, not the highest strikeout rates, like uh, a pretty high strikeout rate, excuse me, at 22.2 percentage, but an offensive war of 20.1. That alone... Is be- it puts him in the top four when it comes to shortstops in baseball. He currently has is tied for F4 alongside Corey Seager at 4.5. Is Corey Seager the better defender? Of course he is. Like, that's not saying a whole lot, though. If Bo can just continue working on the position itself and, and playing that as it needs to be, I think he really could have another big emerging year in 2023. Is it going to happen? Not 100% sure. But I'm very excited to see what he has in store for the Blue Jays. So now we'll move on to number four. And I'll just move on immediately into my number four here. And for mine, I went with someone that I think could maybe be lift off your list. I'm not 100%. We shall see. But for my number four, I went with Xander Bogarts. Xander, I think 100% deserves to be on these kinds of lists here. 6.1 F4, but, and it's the same kind of idea talking, what I talk about with Bo, I talk about even more with Xander. The defense is, isn't it? (laughs) It is. I mean, it's not the greatest. He definitely made improvements 
on this season overall, but his bat is just terrifying. 28.7 offensive war, according to fan graphs for my stats here. And a so pretty decent, pretty darn good in my in my opinion, 9.0% walk rate to 18.7%. A lot of people, when you talk about Xander Bogarts, you talk about that the defense is just a problem. You talk about how his offense is the only thing that's keeping him alive. Well, it, it, it's not bad. Again, of the players um on our list, a lot of them, excuse me, was on our list, he may be probably near the bottom of those lists. But that's still not a problem. I mean, you take a look at the top 20, he's in that middle range. He's average. Do you want better than average defense for shortstop? Yeah, you probably do. But his bat more than makes up for it. So I think it might be he is the number four. He is the number four. Yeah, and I I also have Xander Bogarts at number four. It's, it's a really tough decision. I think uh, something we failed to mention uh, earlier is that this is arguably the deepest position in baseball. There's so much talent. Like you mentioned Bo Bichette. I wanted to put Bo Bichette in my top five, but the problem with Bichette is that his defense really just, it, it it's not good. And that's the point is that I don't know if his offense for me, at least makes up for his lack of a glove at shortstop, which you need a good glove. And for a while, Xander Bogarts did not have that, but Huge, huge improvement in the field this year. Uh, you know, playing shortstop, he had positive about uh, outs above average. Finally, uh, you know, it feels like we were waiting on him to turn into a at least average defensive shortstop, up to five outs above average. That's a career high. Four point nine uh, UZR. That's also a career high. Uh, the offense, like, all right, there are some red flags here. That three sixty two Babbitt. The hard hit rate decreasing the ground ball rate going up the, you know, fly ball rate decreasing the line drive rate decreasing, but, and yeah, sure. He only had two fifty nine expected batting average, but I still think overall he's a well above average hitter. And I think that, you know, going to San Diego, I, we can expect him, especially in that lineup to keep producing, you know, he's that Padres lineup is going to be insane this year. And, Bogarts is going to be a big part of it. I have him at number four for now. I wouldn't be surprised if he's three next year. So, yeah. So, coming in at number four on Ryan Splash Potts's Archivon honorary shortstops list, we have Xander Bogarts, um, now a Padre. He checks off a lot of the boxes you want, but one thing that Bogarts does better than anyone else on this list, consistency. Every year you can, you know, sort of put your put your parcel down in Oklahoma and you're going to be right on the spot with uh, with Xander. He has a OPS plus between 128 and 139 for five seasons in a row. The last time he did not have an OPS plus in that range, a pretty small range of outcomes was 2017. Think about that. Think about where you were in 2017. I was in high school. In 2017, the Eagles were about to win the Super Bowl in 2017. It was a long time ago. And Bogarts just said, all right, we're going to just be good every single season. We're going to hit around 290. We're going to get on base around 37% of the time. We're going to slug around 500. Now, he only slugged uh, 456 last year, but, you know, some park factors was a better 
offensive production season OPS plus wise than his previous two seasons. But Bogarts is just consistency. And for a long time, it was consistently good offense and consistently uh, stone gloves. But last year, he made some terrific strides defensively, like you both have mentioned. And I think Bogarts is just the go-to for consistency. And the top three are going to have their ebbs and flows. And I'll uh, address Alex's Bobachet pick. Bobachet is sometimes the best shortstop in baseball. And then other times, he is the worst shortstop in baseball. He just has these incredibly hot runs and incredibly cold runs. He reminds me of like an Ozzy Albies, but only batting from the right side of the plate. <clears throat> um, just there are times that he's going to swing at the first pitch um, in 2021. He and Vladdy tied for the most first pitch hits in baseball. And sometimes that's going to work. Sometimes you're going to hit a bunch of home runs and you're going to hit a bunch of doubles and you're going to have this, you know, you're going to turn into a uh, prime Babe Ruth for a month. And then you're going to, the calendar turns over and you're going to be ice, ice cold. So Bichette is going to, I don't know if he's going to be five exactly, but he could be one. He could be nine, but that's going to average out to a five. So Alex, perfectly fine pick, but I have Bogarts at four. And that's all fair. I'm actually too far. I'm really surprised that we all had Bogarts at number four here. I think I may just be the contrarian putting, uh, leaving Seager off. And don't get me wrong. He definitely deserves it. Corey Seager, again, Kyle's brother is a fantastic shortstop and he's fun to watch. This is the reason why he got paid that Uber contract with Texas. So let's move on now to the number three slot. Mac, you're the only one that hasn't started yet. So Mac, who do you have at number three? So at number three, Matching the number of teams he signed with this offseason, I have Carlos Correa. <laughs> uh, you know, we we thought he'd be playing third base for a minute when he was uh, supposedly signing with the Mets. But, you know, Correa is still a good player overall. You know, there's no denying that part. And trust me, I am as concerned as, uh, you know, probably every Twins fan now is about that ankle, but you look at his numbers from this past year, very good overall, 291 average, 366 on base, 467 slugging, 140 WRC plus. That's elite, basically, or right around elite, I would say. Uh, he did miss time. He missed 26 games due to injury, but still overall 5.4 baseball reference war, 4.4 fan graphs war, 22 homers, 24 doubles, no steals, and yes, his base running ability is going to decrease as time goes on, especially with that plate in his leg. Uh, but overall, you look at him, and he's he's just an all-around good player. If he could stay healthy, he'd be probably closer to one or two. Uh, so overall, I think Correa, he can hit. He can still play decent defense. It, it's regressed a little bit from his Astros days, but he's pretty close to the full package at shortstop, so... I have met three. Um, I also have Mr. Carlos Correa coming in at number three on the Archie Vaughn Memorial shortstop list. Um, just an excellent all-around player and probably would be one, if not one or two, if not for injuries, you know, keeping him from playing 150 games in a season in any season since 2016. It's 109, 110, 75. He did play all but two games in the pandemic season. Then 148, 136. And it's just one of those things that when Correa is on the field, he generates 7.2 wins above replacement per 162 games. 
that's not just good. That's not just great. That's not just top of the list. That is historically awesome. The guys that are beating that Wagner, Archivon, Wander Franco. We are talking about the Mount Rushmore of shortstops in baseball. Clearly, shout out to Archivon, but just Correa, he checks the boxes. He is a good defensive player. He has a rocket launcher of an arm. And I, I think even a move to third, which was proposed if he had signed with the Mets, um, a move to third, I think probably would benefit Correa. He just use that arm. Um, and you don't have to worry about the, the movement as much playing third as opposed to shortstop. But I think Correa is the guy that's going to be a top three shortstop um, when he's on the field, if not the best shortstop in the game. He just doesn't play 150 games sometimes or anytime. So, yeah, I'm I'm going to say for this right now that I also have Correa at number three here because i mean i really don't like the guy i haven't i don't think i ever will but i also can't deny that he is a very good baseball player will he ever stay on the field probably not if he does if he does stay on the field he could be legitimately one of the most electrifying and most explosive players in the game but looking at him now i just i don't know I want to say that he's not going to do great. I want to say that he's just going to be okay. But I also... It's tough. Because this is a player that... I don't agree that he checks all the boxes. I think that when he plays the game, he is one that is very good. But I have serious concerns about it. We've seen times where he has been the one of the best players in baseball. We've also seen times where he's just absolutely struggled. And on top of it, one of the things that, again, the stats won't show a whole ton of it except for in the games played section, is injury. And with Correa, especially with everything that's happened this offseason, I I don't know. I'm putting him right now at number three because of the potential. Because of what could happen when he's playing. Because when he is playing and when he is on, he is one of the best. But that's the big question, especially this year is, is he going to play? When is he going to play? How much is he going to play? Especially with this entire saga, it was just, it, the, the, the conversation went from being just talking about how good of a player is he to, oh no, how much of him is broken? And that's the question we all got to have to kind of figure out and what 2023 I think is going to be extremely telling about, especially considering uh, Splash, your original three words for him of texting your ex. And that's what it feels like. And there's a reason why you text your ex is because you don't got a whole lot of other options to work with. I really probably shouldn't say that on podcast, but it's all right. Um, I don't know. I, if I'm sounding so hesitant right now, it's because right now I'm calling a bit of an audible. I originally was not even going to put him on my list, but I thought about it more. And I think he probably does deserve it overall. Who were you originally going to have at three, Alex? I was going to have Dansby at oh. number three. And I just kind of took him off at the last second. But I don't know. Okay. I, I think Dansby. You approve of the decision? Yes, I approve of the decision. I actually really like Dansby. I, like, I mean, he, I do too. And I think he's almost like the inverted Correa that he, he plays. He's going to give you 160 games a year. And that's the question isn't how much is he going to play? It's how well he plays. And I think he's 
kind of like Bo Bichette in a way that Dansby has these runs that he looks like the number one pick in the draft. Then he has runs that he looks like a negative war player. It's just begin, top began thing. the season on a re- really rough strikeout streak. I remember. Yep. Mm-hmm. So and, the thing that I really liked about Swanson overall, though, is if you take a look at his F war right now, he has six point four WAR. It's like F four, which is one of the best in, of all shortstops. His is like his offense was okay. It was, I mean, don't get me wrong, it was good, but it was his defense that really put him up there because he was defensively, according to Fangraphs, the best defender. Like within the top ten, top twenty, even he was. Number one, next closest to him was Francisco Lindor at 15.9. There was also Tommy Edmond, but Edmond plays a lot of different positions. So I don't even want to put him as just a definitive shortstop. Uh, Dansby is the best defensive shortstop. Like, that's not much of a question, I don't think, at this point. That's why I wanted him up here. But I... It's, it's just a weird overall to go with. You know, the other thing I'll say before we move on to number two is that it's always a it, consistency is always big for me. And to me, I, while I think Swanson's defense is fantastic, his bat needs to be there. And like you said, Splash, there are times where he looks like the guy who got taken first overall. And then there are times where he can't make contact. And, you know, he still struck out a lot last year. So while he finally made an all-star game, finally had an elite season by, by Woods above replacement, I just I couldn't put him in the top five because of how volatile he is. And that's fair. Like, and that's what it kind of all comes down to. Again, for these lists, especially it's the ideology. So let's move on to number two then for everyone. So for my number two, or yeah, I'll go first, I guess, on this one. For number two, I've got I brought up uh this name a little bit earlier. it's Francisco Lindor. I may be calling a bit of an audible on number one, but I promise I'll explain when we get to it. But Francisco Lindor is, I mean, he's hes really good at baseball, guys. 25.4 offensive war with a 15.9 defensive war. Not only is he good offensively, he is good defensively as well. He is one of those kind of players that you need to have on your team. The one problem, the one knock why he's not number one, is that we've also seen times with Lindor that he will just do nothing on the baseball field. There's times where he will just be absolute horrendous. on the field. I remember there was a stretch. I don't remember if it was 2021 or 2022, where the beginning of the season, he had like, what, one hit over like two, three weeks? Uh, you're referring to 2021. Yep, that was his first yeah. year in New York. Yeah, his first year with the Mets. And it was painful to watch. I remember we made the joke a while back again. Uh, back then the MLB the show had just made the milestones card and there was going to be a 44 overall Francisco Lindor card for that but and that's something where I don't think it that's 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 not Francisco Lindor when we see Francisco Lindor when we watch him play baseball you know that you are watching one of the best because he is one that really does check all boxes he is one that is got the power he's got the contact he's got some, some speed to him but defensively he can really go at a position that truly needs to have good defense so right now he's my number two my number one i don't know if you guys are going to agree with what we shall see all right so here's the so at number two and th- this is a really tough decision here because 
I think my one and two are both very talented players, and I think the gap here is razor thin. So number two, I have Trey Turner. And here's Turner is fantastic offensively. He can hit for power. He can hit for average. He's got speed. You know, he he's just – he's the full package at the plate, in my opinion. You know, this past year, hit 298 with 343 on base, 466 slowing. So an 809 OPS, all right, that's – a bit of a drop off from the 911 OPS he put up in 2021. He was a batting champion, but still stole, you know, still was was stealing bags, stole 27 bases, still hit a lot whole bunch of doubles. So, you know, it, it's it's tough here because you know, he, you see all that, you know, yeah, like I said, 39 doubles, he drove in 100 runs. It's like, all right, well, like what what more could you ask for? And then you look at his defense and he was only average really defensively. That's my only knock on him is that when I, when I look at a shortstop, I want to see that he could play defense in addition to being a great hitter and zero outs above average, negative 0.7 UZR, negative 1.2 UZR per 150. It's just that, that it's sort of lacking in my opinion. And his offense is still there. Don't get me wrong, but that's a hundred point drop in OPS. I'm not going to say that he's going to keep progressing because he's still relatively young. You know, he's in his late twenties and he's going to turn 30 in June, but I have met number two. I wouldn't be shocked if he's number one by the end of ne- this coming year, but it, it's so close, but yeah, I have Trey Turner at the second spot. So coming in at number two on the Ryan Splash Pots, Arky Vaughn honorary shortstop list. I think I've changed up the name five times now, but I have Francisco Lindor. And Lindor is the weird case to me of a guy that the stats, I don't think, show the full story. And part of it is because he plays in a dead ball era ballpark in City Field, so offense is reduced to nothing. So the last three years, or even if you take his... Um, since the pandemic, essentially, he's had an OPS below 800 three consecutive years. And we're talking about him as one of the best players in the game. I have him as the number two shortstop, even as a Braves fan. Mac, I would imagine, has him number one and reasonable people have him number one. And it's it's something you don't see in the stats because the stats, the 788 OPS last year, Okay, whatever. Like that, you'll take it, you'll leave it. But a 125 OPS plus. Okay, that's cool. At shortstop. And he's a good defensive player. So, you know, we we talk about these huge seasons from Judge and Otani and Guerrero last year and or two years ago now. And Goldschmidt and these guys that are putting OPS pluses over 150, over 170. That's true, but they're not playing shortstop every day for the New York Mets. It's it's a little bit different. Now, Judge is center field for the New York Yankees, so whatever. But Lindor is in the toughest media market in the world. And he doesn't have the benefit of playing for the team with 27 championships in that city like Aaron Judge does. So you're heavily scrutinized. And he's still been a good player. He didn't happen to be an all-star either the last two seasons, but a 125 OPS plus by uh, baseball reference war. He was a five win player for the fourth time in his career. And he's just a very good player. And we touched on it with other players that sometimes availability is the best ability. 
and he played 161 games this year and he's played 158 or more games four times. And there's some value to that. Are there going to be ebbs and flows? Yes. Are there going to be some moments that he's like doing thumbs down to the crowd? Yes. But I think you get the full package of Lindor and it might not show on the stat sheet. It might not show because I don't think he's going to hit 38 home runs again. I don't think he, he might not even hit 30 um, in city field, although they did move the fences in. Um, But if he's an 800 OPS player, that's one of the best players in baseball. And you combine the defense, he's going to steal a dozen 15 bases or so Um, good arm, just crazy range. And the, the smile is infectious. And he's one of the guys that, you know, if you just look at the baseball reference page or the fan graphs page, okay, he might not be your number one, number two, even a top five shortstop. Like the shredder had him wanted to have him at number seven, I think, but he's just a good baseball player. I think right now, when you get to the shorts, like we, Mac brought this up earlier, there is so much depth. That even at the top of the list, all these guys at one point during the season could be considered number one. And that's what's really interesting to watch going forward. And it's why it's so hard to put someone at number one right now. And that means that I think I know what who everyone has at their top spots now. So, Splash, how about you go first with your number one? All right, continuing the legacy of unbelievable shortstops pl- to play in the city of Pittsburgh. Coming in at number one on the Ryan Potts's Archie Vaughn fan club list, we have O'Neill Cruz, of course. Um, kidding. Uh, I have Trey Turner. Now the Philadelphia Phillies vomit, hate saying those words together. But what Turner lacks in, say, defense, he makes up for in being special. And by special, I mean he has a trump card. He can come to the ballpark and drop his nuts on the opponent. And he does this through his pure, unadulterated speed. It's a 99.9th percentile sprint speed. Shout out to Corbin Carroll, who runs approximately 100 miles per hour. But Trey Turner just induces chaos on a baseball field. It is not a... It is uncanny what he forces the defense to do. And it's it's one of those things. It's like watching Tom Brady play quarterback. Um, happy retirement there, buddy, at least for the next week. Um, it's He is so good at one facet of the game that you have to mold the entire strategy of the game. If you're the defensive team against the Phillies this year, the Dodgers last year, the Nationals in years past, your entire strategy is... I have to keep Trey Turner off the base paths. And yeah, that was a cool story when he was a 270 hitter and a 330 or 340, uh, 330, 340 on base. Okay, cool. You're going to succeed two thirds of the time. But he hit 300 last year. He hit 330 the year before. He hit 335 in the pandemic season. He got on base 40% of the time in 2020, 37.5% of the time in 2021. And he's just on base all the time and he's always a threat to steal and even if he doesn't steal and this year you know you might get a slight uptick in stolen bases with the new rules but it's just it is so influential what turner does to the psyche of the opposition it's the the shortstops the second baseman the third baseman the, even the first baseman. they have to know oh trey turner is in the box and you have to get that throw off an extra second faster. There's a reason Turner led the majors in hits in 2020 and 2021 and at 194 last year. 
guys don't do that nowadays, but Turner can, and Turner does, Turner does it with resounding consistency because guess what? Speed never slumps. You know, defense can slump. You can, Lindor can make a couple errors here or there. Dansby can make a couple errors here or there. Correa can miss a month with some rando injury. Fernando Tatis can take deer tranquilizer, you know, but Trey Turner is still going to run a, I'm going to say a 4-2-40, but he's still going to circle the base paths in a ridiculous time. And that doesn't slump. You're going to get those extra infield single, infield singles, stretch those singles into doubles, doubles into triples, you know, steal that extra base. And a lot of times that's going to win you games. That's going to be the, the 1962 Maury Wills method to success. So coming in at number one for me, uh, I think as everyone could, could figure out, I have Francisco Lindor. Uh, and, you know, the, when I when I look at Lindor, you know, it's crazy because it feels like everyone in New York wanted to run him out of town in 2021 because he got off to a dreadful start. There's no denying that. And then when he finally looked like he was coming out of it, he got injured. And then he had a big month of September, including a three-homer game against the Yankees, which was awesome. But even in that down year, in 125 games, he put up 4.2 fan graphs war and had a 103 WRC plus and was fantastic defensively at 20 outs above average. And then this year he turns around, hits 270 with a 339 on base and a 449 slugging. So 788 OPS and a 127 WRC plus, which is actually the second highest mark of his career. And you know, 13 outs above average. He just, he, you know, I remember early in the season, he was in a bit of a slump when he came to fielding. It's because he wasn't really using his legs when he was throwing, but at, from about like mid May on, he was fantastic. I can't believe he wasn't a finalist for the gold glove, Uh 4.2 UZR 13 outs above average. So that's, that's on point. It looks like the Francisco Lindor. We, we always expected and by Fangraphs War, 6.8 F War, that's the sixth highest in baseball this past year. In fact, by both Fangraphs and Baseball Reference, Lindor had a higher wins above replacement than Trey Turner. So when I look at it, maybe Lindor's 788 OPS doesn't jump off the page, like you said, Slash. But, you know, 26 homers, 16 steals, a career high 107 RBIs. This guy, he can hit. He can run, he can field, and he's a switch hitter, which is helpful. I I know Mets fans were very, very harsh on him his first year, but I think that trade and that contract is worth it. And I have him as my best shortstop. Call me a homer all you want, but the numbers don't lie. No, I'm not going to call call you a homer for that. I'll call you a homer for a lot of other reasons, though. But not for Lindor. I think Lindor is a fantastic uh, pick for the number one. I am on the splash train though on this though that I also have Trey Turner as my number one, and it really comes down to the speed. Speed is something that absolutely kills, and when you have the speed of Trey Turner, and on top of it are a shortstop, as opposed to most of the time when you see the fastest players, a lot of the, a lot of times uh, that's gonna be the year outfielders, your center fielder. Most of the time you just put your fastest guy there because he's the guy that can get to the ball the easiest. He is a guy that you have that ability at shortstop that makes his range 
infinitely better, especially with how explosive he is on it. He can play the game in such a way that is so different than any other player. And that's why I really have Matt number one. All the other players on this list, they play the game pretty similarly. Like, yeah, there's, there's good offense, pretty good defense. Lindor is fantastic at both of them. But none of them play the game quite like Trey Turner does. None of them play the game with that speed explosivity that he has that can make him turn a double, as I turn a single into a double, a double into a triple, to get a ball that should be in the gap, it's like in between third and short, and his speed gives him enough time to be able to make that play to at least give a chance to get the guy out at first base. Where it's normally just been a normal ground out. You need to lay down a bunt? Cool. He's going to be the one of the guys that's going to do that for you. You have, you need someone who's going to try to knock one out of the park? Bam, he's got power too. He is a true five-tool player. He is one that honestly at this point right now is one of the most complete players. And it really comes down to that speed. He's got great defense. He's got great hitting. Again, it, he would not be on this list 100% if... Uh, his offense was not where it is at right now. But that speed is what's putting him at number one, at least for me. So right now, we all have pretty interesting lists. And, Matt, you said you, you have something you want to say on it? Yeah, and I just want to point out that there are, I mean, you can expect uh, some other risers, I think, throughout the year to look out for. I mean, Wander Franco, I think he's already a top 10 shortstop, and he's literally younger than I am by almost a year. I think him and Splash are about the same age. Uh, he is eight days older than I am. Exactly. So Wander Franco is fantastic. If he could stay healthy, I think he's he's going to rise. Uh, Gunnar Henderson, if he plays shortstop, he could be a, a guy to watch out for. I think Tim Anderson's always been been nice. You know, I, uh, Jeremy Pena, he was a big riser this year. You know, th- there's just so many guys to look out for at this position. Oh, and O'Neill Cruz, as Splash mentioned for a second. Uh, look, you can look out for him. Heck, even uh, uh, Alex's guy, J.P. Crawford, great defender. Uh, he needs to work on his bat. But, like, you know, I think that there's so much talent and depth at this position that I wouldn't be surprised if our our lists look very different next year. Yeah, I would not be surprised even one bit. And that's one thing that's really good to see, honestly, is that we we don't want to see the number one guys there year after year after year. It's really fun to see a bunch of guys continue to usurp that spot, especially in a position that has so much depth to it. So unless there's anything else you want to say on this, I think it's cool that we now move on to our second segment. We did it last week. You guys liked it. We liked it, so we're going to do it again. We may turn this into a full series of trying to make at least one position for every one player for every single position, and that is what I'm calling a dugouts and dingers for D&D characters. So what we're doing here to explain kind of what we did last week, I did uh, so I take the six main uh, Dungeons and Dragons stats that we normally associate of strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. And I turned them into baseball stats with strength being power, dexterity being speed, constitution being fielding, intelligence being contact, wisdom being baseball IQ, and charisma being armed because throwing a ball is flashy. But uh, we did three players last week. We had Bobson Dugdon, who we, we agreed is a second baseman. Sleeve McDykel, we all agreed is a third baseman. And Mike Truck, the shortstop slash center fielder slash middle infielder overall. 
Well, we've got three new contestants here on this that we have rolled for. And for those of you that don't know how some D&D characters do, we don't just do the buy a point method. We do the roll the dice and try to see how good you got. So uh, we have six like six uh, stats here for each one of them, other ones that we have uh, already mentioned. And we're going to go through them one by one and try to figure out what position this player would play and potentially a real-life equivalent. So we're going to start off with number one. Oh, by the way, the naming scheme, for those of you that did not see last week's episode, we are using the NES Japanese baseball game that had to use American names as our naming scheme. So the first player... We've got Willie Dustus. Willie Dustus coming in here. Not the most powerful guy. Only in 11 in power. 18 is the absolute maximum. But how you uh, calculate the stats is you roll four dice. You take away the lowest number on it. Added the rest of them together. And that's your stats. So a maximum is 18. About average is about 12. It's like uh, 11, 12, 13. And then anything below a 10 is very bad. <laughs> But for Willie Dustus, he's got a power stat of 11, a speed stat of 16, a fielding stat of 14, contact 13, baseball IQ 13, and arm of 11. So the first thing that's coming to my mind when I look at a player like this, I'm thinking a corner outfielder, like a left fielder. Of course, he's got great speed, but the, the only thing that's stopping me from putting him at center field is that arm at 11. That's a pretty average at best arm but i want to hear what you guys think what kind of position for would this kind of character be at can you go through the stats one more time for favor uh, absolutely so power has got 11 so about average a little below average speed 16 so about way above average fielding 14 so slightly above average contact 13 Right at about average baseball IQ of 13 and an arm 11. So right at average for the arm. So what jumped out to me was shortstop, actually. So I think the arm strength. When I think arm strength, I think third base and I think right field and center field, of course, needs to have a good arm and it, it helps to have a good arm at shortstop. And with this player, it's not a bad arm. I would say it's a, you know, a slightly above average arm. So I kind of get shortstop vibes. This is almost like a if, like, say, a Dansby Swanson was a little less strikeout prone, a little bit faster, you know, good arm, good fielding, above average power for the position, good baseball IQ, um, maybe like a, I don't know, like a J.J. Hardy, but a bit faster, um, just a smart baseball player, maybe like even a a Nomar Garcia Para to to pull back from a little bit further back. I'd say I'd go shortstop here, and that's fine. I I still think he'd be a left fielder because left fielder you don't need to have the most impressive arm; you need to have at least an average arm. But I like that he's got really good speed overall. He's got a decent baseball IQ to be able to play the outfield. But on top of it, like, again, that 16th speed is what's really going to help him. And why I don't really want to put him in the infield as much if he doesn't have better hitting stats overall, if you know, if you get what I'm saying. Because, I I mean, I like the idea of having, you know, like a Trey Turner type guy in the infield, obviously. But we also already have a shortstop from these characters as well. And I think, honestly, my comparison for this guy, again, being a Mariner man, 
But I compare this guy to a Sam Haggerty. For Haggerty overall, when I look at this guy, he's got tremendous speed, not the best power, not great power overall, but fielding is pretty darn good. Again, above average. And then contact and baseball IQ are all right. And the arm, not the strongest overall. But I like what I see from that as a good speed threat. But I think with that speed, you got to put him in the outfield somewhere. And at least in my opinion, left field is where you can get away with the, the weaker arm. So I'm putting him in left field. I would put him in left field personally. Yeah, personally, I also would have him in left field because I feel like, okay, I'm not going to say it's not important to have good defense in left field or like have not have a good arm, but I feel like it, like you said, Alex, it is the one where you can probably get away with like not having the best arm. Uh, so the, the tough part is I'm trying to come up with like a, a good comp for him, you know, cause he, he only has about average power. Uh, the guy that kind of popped into my head and maybe this is a little off because I'm pretty sure he won a gold glove this year, but Ian Happ, uh, you know, a guy who only hit 17 homers this year, but, uh, has pretty, pretty solid speed, uh, pr- pretty good speed. You know, uh, pretty a decent glove in the outfield makes enough contact. He really has improved on that throughout his career. So the guy, I I'd probably say like an Ian Hap type, or maybe like Mark Canna, but with more speed. That's that's what I think. That's fair. I'll concede. I think the left fielder comp makes a lot of sense. Good deal. So we have him at left fielder, and all of us had pretty interesting comparisons for one single player. So I like that so far. Let's move on to our next player, as it is the one and only Ray McSriff. And this was one that is, when we were doing prep, I was like, oh my God, because this character, I already know exactly where him for this, but Ray McSriff. A power 16, speed 15, fielding 9, contact 11, IQ 16, and get this, arm 17. This is a busted type of player. One that honestly can do it all. The only knock on him is some fielding ability. And... I have a few different comparisons for this, but to be fully fair, my best one I think I have, I want to put him at first base. Now, I think that he could make a really good right fielder. I think he could even make a pretty decent center fielder, to be fair. But I want to put him at first because I compare this guy to Albert Pujols for prime Pujols. I do think over oh, there's definitely some pro- where places where it doesn't fully match up. Again, like again, I think I had better contact. I think he did have better fielding uh, overall. But I think that when I look at this guy, this is a guy that's going to come up to the plate, intimidate everyone, and do everything you need to play the game. He's got the great baseball IQ because I think a lot of people almost kind of sleep on first base with being a smart position to play, especially when it comes to like things like throwing the ball back and and not actually throwing it back, working pickles, working all these, being able to play on bunts. There's a lot of IQ that can go into the first base position. He doesn't have the greatest contact overall, but it's still average. It does enough to absolutely launch the ball out of the baseball field. And a lot of people don't think about how much important an arm is to a first baseman. I think it's, really important 
at the time. It isn't absolutely needed, but I think that him having this, you could very easily put him in the outfield. You very easily could put him in right field. I wouldn't want to put him in center just because, again, that speed is, again, average. But I really like this kind of player. This one is one that you could definitely work a team around. That is a fascinating direction. Uh, the Pujols comp is interesting. Uh, I do think Pujols a slightly better defender than below average. Um, but I'm going to go oh, to... I, a... I 100% agree. That was just the first comp that came to my mind. No, Pujols, do not get that at me. I 100% know that during your prime, you were an excellent defender. All right. I'm going to go in a slightly different direction, just as distinguished, maybe not quite as, but very distinguished player in his own right. Hall of Famer Vladimir Guerrero Sr. I'm going to throw... Uh, Mr. Mick Swerf in right field, the power speed. I think he's going to be a 30, 30 guy, the fielding who cares? Cause he is a rocket launcher of an arm, like a Hunter Renfro type, Joey Gallo type that, you know, sometimes that defense can be masked just by positioning, right? What the Phillies do with Nick Castellanos. And, you know, if you're an average to slightly below average fielder, you know what? It, 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 it happens, you know, but his arm is going to make up for it. I will say that Guerrero is a better contact player and and then uh, an 11. But in this case, I think that the baseball IQ kind of goes into that. It's the swinging at everything because he knows he can hit everything. Um, I also got kind of shades of Ronald Acuna here. So if you do like a Acuna-Guerrero hybrid, you know, the rocket launcher of an arm, great power, steals a bunch of bases. The average fielding, Acuna was a little bit below average last year. The contact is can be good. Um, the IQ, I will say Acuna sometimes has the brain dead moments, but he's also a guy that's going to score from first on a single. Like he, he's done that just the, the taking extra bases, that sort of deal. And then Vlad Guerrero or is a hall of famer for good reason. So I'd go right field. This is really tough because when I heard at first, when you're reading off like the power and the speed, I was thinking maybe Mike Trout. Then you know you're mentioning stuff about the the arm, Trout's arm. While it's not bad, it's not that great. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, all right, maybe this is Mookie Betts type player. You know, high power, high speed, fantastic arm. But Betts is a well above average fielder, at least for his career, in my in my opinion. So it makes it tough. I understand the first base comp too so i definitely think he's either a first baseman or a right fielder and if i'm going first base i'd say it's paul goldschmidt uh goldschmidt i know probably slightly better than average fielder up for most of his career but he's also a guy who stole 21 bases in a season actually he stole over 30 bases in a season once i think he stole 33 one year so yeah, I think Goldschmidt, you know, he hit for a lot of power. He had good contact. I mean, he just won MVP. Uh, he he was basically a five-tool player at first base. So I think the more I think about it, considering, uh, man, but then you have to think about the arm strength. I I think I this guy has to be an outfielder then. Uh, and actually, the one that just popped into my mind is Sean Green uh, from his days in Toronto and LA when he actually did have a good arm and could hit and could run. I think prime Sean green is my answer. And uh, he, he plays right field. 
I think I'm going to agree with you guys on the right field comparison here. So we're going to put him in right at this point. I actually really like the comp that you gave there of uh, Vladimir Guerrero Sr. I think that is a great thing because, again, he wasn't the fastest, did not was not the best defender, but, man, that arm was scary good. And so that's exactly what this kind of player is. So I'm going to agree with you guys. We're going to put him as a right fielder for one, Mr. Ray McSwift. Ray Mc, uh, yep, Ray McSwift. And then that brings us to our final player. And as we had a high, we obviously are going to have a low. And we've got the man, the myth, the legend. We've got Raul Chamberlain. Raul Chamberlain. All of his stats are at average or below, except for one. As he's got a power of 12, a speed of 10, fielding 7. So that is true below average. Uh, contact of 12, baseball IQ of 12, but arm of a 17 as well, just like Ray. So... This is one where I am not quite sure where to go with here. This is a bench player. This is a defensive, I don't even want to say defensive substitute because of the fact that he's got, you know, that the feeling is just not great with him. Or again, he's got legitimately a liability level of defense here. So I'll be real here. I think my position for him is backup catcher. Like, I don't have anything else for him. Like, I don't want to put him as anywhere else. I mean, I could put him, you could put him at first base and where the field isn't as important. You could put him in right field for the same argument as Vladimir Guerrero, where, you know, just make, make it do with the arm. But this is the kind of player that's going to be a backup that maybe a triple a guy that you're trying to work through that has one big skill and you're trying to work from it. I don't really have a good player comparison. I don't have a player. That's their only good thing is arm strength. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. This I don't is, know. What do you guys think diff- about this? This is difficult because yeah. I, if not a backup catcher, I could see this guy being a fourth outfielder, but like a guy who you, yeah, you only, can really put him in left field. That's the problem. Like it, we were saying earlier, the one position in the outfield you can sort of get away with the lackluster defender is left field. But coming up with a player comp is almost impossible because it, it's basically an average player, but below average fielder, but can throw really well. Man, I'm, I'm trying to, t- I'm taking a look around the league and I'm like, who in the world? Could this be Splash? Maybe, like, do you, who who do you think? Uh, the correct answer for this question is Jose Guillen, uh, former oh my Pirate, God. Yeah. Devil Ray, Diamondback, Red, that, yeah, that's Royal, a, Angel, National, Mariner. Well, yeah, he was a Mariner, too, for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, World Series champion with the Giants, I believe. Um, anyways, Jose Guillen is the correct answer here. Rocket launcher of an arm. There's the the classic throw at cores, I think pre-humidor, which doesn't really matter, but he totally misplays a ball in right. But he's freaking Jose Guillen, so he uncorks an Ichiro missile to third base and gets the runner that who who would not have been at third base if he just plays the ball properly. But 
absolute howitzer of an arm, one of the the strongest arms I can remember in the last, you know, 20, 25 years. Um, An average hitter. He had some moments of being a pretty good hitter. Um, Had, you know, some solid times with the Reds and the Nationals and the Angels and whatnot. But never was really all... I'll say the the pieces weren't all there. He never had like that season, right? He never had the go-to season. He had negative 28 defensive runs saved in 1997. That's not good for his career. He was negative 58. That's not good either. But what he did lose in some of the positioning, the Nick Castellano stuff, he made up for with a rocket launcher of an arm. And he had power. Um, he stole a few bases here or there, 31 career, not, he wasn't like a premier base runner or anything, just a, a slightly below average base runner, solid contact skills, a 270 batting average had a, a year over 300. So I'll take that and, you know, good enough baseball IQ, but the arm that that's the, the surviving characteristic. If he's your fourth outfielder, you're in a good spot. If he's your third outfielder, mm, you're in a, a situation that you need him to be good. That could be an issue, but if he's your fourth outfielder, more power to you. I I really like you that cop. I mean, the ho- mm-hmm. that throw he made to to throw uh, throw out Nafi Perez at third base is one of the best ever. I think the MLB Network ranked it as the best throw ever, at least of the modern era. So I really like that cop. In the back of my mind, I was almost thinking like maybe like a almost like a Gary Sanchez type if. He had more raw power uh, because Gary at least was known for his great throwing arm, despite his defensive shortcomings. So I could see, I yeah, maybe like a Gary Sanchez type, but I really like that Jose Guillen comp. I agree. I 100% agree with the Jose Guillen comp. So we agree he's going to be a backup outfielder that won't see a whole ton of playing time. So unfortunately for Raul Chamberlain. But those are our three players we've got for this. Uh, to kind of over uh, overlook them just a little bit here, we got Willie Dustis over in left field. We've got Ray McSwift over in right. And then we have Raul Chamberlain as a backup outfielder. Even though we don't have a center fielder just yet on this team, we know he's going to be a backup. But of these players, I think it's pretty obvious which one we would want to take overall. <laughs> if we we're building a team around, it's obviously it's obviously Ray. Oh, so yeah. I mean, the, the, there's there's only one kind of even remotely bad stat. Even that isn't that bad. It's workable, especially how good everything else is. But that is the dingers and the uh, dugouts and dingers section of the show. Now it's time for the trivia, our final segment of the second final segment of the show. And for trivia, I'm gonna hand it off to Splash, who has been hyping this trivia up, and I am very excited to see where this goes. Take it away, Splash. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. So, as we know, in 2023, Major League Baseball will will be instituting some new rules. One of which is the pitch clock, um, which is going to be 15 seconds with the bases empty and 20 seconds with men on base. So today. Um, and a bit of a weird move for our trivia, I'm going to make a new rule. So we have the strike system, three strikes and you're out. But today I'm adding the walk system. So we can troubleshoot this, but 
for the time, um, I think the best course of action would be you get four balls. And if you get the fourth ball, your opponent gets a point. Obviously, you don't want that to happen. So today's name of the game is naming players who have had 200 hits in a season. This list is supposed to be comically long. You should be able to think of plenty of names. However, the name of the game is Speed. You will have five seconds to give me a name. If you do not give me an answer in five seconds, that is a ball the other person can continue to go. If you get to four balls, the other person gets a point. First to three strikes, loses. And are we ready? Do we understand the rules? So wait, in the five um, seconds, we just name one player or do we yes. name? Okay. Yes. Yes. Sounds okay. Good. You go, All right. Um, in theory, I'm, I'm you diving. can go back and forth. Right. Um, so it's not five yeah. seconds. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, I will ask Siri to flip a coin. Uh, let's say if it's heads, Mac, you go first. If it's tails, Alex, you go first. Okay. Flip a coin. Siri says tails. Alex, you may go first. Let me pull up the stopwatch. All right, so what is the category again? I may, oh. Did I miss it or have you not said it <laughs> yet? 200 uh, hit seasons. Yes, this, the category is oh. 200 hit seasons. Now, you should be able to think of some. Uh, <laughs> I made it intentionally broad, so there were plenty of answers. Uh, but in I three... Do, I do have one quick, one more questions before we, yes. we go ahead. And yes. uh, maybe I miss this. My apologies. But um, if a player had multiple 200 hit seasons, does it only count as one? Yes. So okay. um, I'll use it. If you said Sammy Sosa for 60 homer seasons, that would only count as one. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right. I'm All ready right. to go. All right. Alex, proceed. Ichiro Suzuki. Correct. Mac. Mookie Betts. Uh, I would hope that's correct. Pretty sure uh, he had 214 one year. So. Yeah, that is correct. I have them all on a Google sheet, and I'm deleting the names as they're said. All right, Alex. Trey Turner. Uh, that is incorrect. Mm-hmm. Bad over 300 without tour. Okay. Yeah, 195 one year. Max. Oh, son of a... All right. Uh, Dustin Pedroia. All right. Uh, Dustin Pedroia is uh, correct. Alex. Edgar. Uh, Edgar Martinez is incorrect. Mac. Wait, what? Am, am I on the clock now? Derek yes. Jeter. Number two, Derek Jeter did it eight times. Correct. Alex. Griffey? Like, um, wait, like, I'm so... I reg- I'm so shook. I, I so regret shook to inform you that Mac not. is one... <laughs> Oh my gosh, like <laughs> wait, what? I'm, I I think yeah, I feel like I'm like scared though. Like, how the heck did that's three strikes for Alex? I thought Alex... we do I thought we were doing four balls. Well, n- well, three strikes and you're out. That that rule still applies. Oh, oh, okay. I get what you're saying. Okay. Yes. Um, yeah, Alex, the issue here was you were picking players that are too good to have 200 hits in a season. They get walked too many times. Exactly. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I don't even know if Barry Bonds had one. Like uh Barry Bonds did not. Yeah. Babe Ruth did three times though. Babe Ruth did. Wow. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's... so some notables that you missed. Uh Pete Rose <laughs> ten times. 
Williams, Ty Cobb, Garrig, yeah. Paul Wayner, Keeler, Geringer, Hornsby, Boggs, Simmons, Terry, Sizzler, Burkett, Michael Young six times, Rice, yes. Usual, Garvey, Klein, Puckett, Gwynn, Delahanty, Heilman, Manouche, Tobin, Rice, Medwick, Altuve, Juan Pierre. Juan Pierre. That would have been a good one. All right. Well, Fair enough, um, I guess. Like, uh, I think at that point, like I was just so stunned at the idea that I just couldn't think of anything at that point. Like, because obviously, no, I, you, as you say names, you know, like Ty Cobb and Pete Rose, like obviously, yes, yes. But at the same time, when you are stunned at the fact that Edgar never had a two hundred hit season, I, I, yeah. I, yeah, and and Trey Turner also in this year having. Well, over a 300 batting average and not 200 hits still just boggles me. Hey, um, Barry Bonds hit 370 and didn't have 200 hits in a season. So, but, okay, I'm just curious. Did Joe Mauer have one? Uh, I think so. I, Joe Mauer. Oh, I I sorted the list the wrong way. Uh, do 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 do. Insert Jeopardy music, but I can't do it so we don't get sued. Uh, Joe Mauer <laughs> did not have one. Yeah, no, he didn't. I know that Whit, okay. yeah, Whit, Whit Merrifield got 206 one year, and I believe he's the last Ender and player. Ciarte has one. Yeah, Ender. <laughs> we got Joe Carter, Joe Cronin, Joe DiMaggio, Joe Medwick four times, Joe Sewell, Joe Torrey, Joe Bosmek. Yeah, no Joe Mauer. I, don't, I don't know, uh, man. The most hits man. Edgar had in the season, 182. He hit 356, led the league in hitting. But he got walked 116 times. It's the hard part. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, dang. Well, cool. I guess I, I look like the idiot now, but that's all right. That happens every day. Hey, you said good baseball players. It's just they didn't get to 200 hits. Yeah, it's like, this a lot harder than people think it is. And yeah, yeah it's the same I, reason honest... why Miguel Cabrera is probably the last member of the 3,000 hit club. It's just that's fair. If yeah. you're if you're that good at baseball, chances are you're probably too good to hit 3,000 to get 3,000 hits like you look mm. at Mike Trout might be the greatest baseball player we've ever seen he's not gonna sniff 3,000 hits now that's because he's always hurt but he doesn't have a 200 hit season he's you know as good as he is and he even has the I think he has the highest active batting average or it might be Miggy still but you know he's a career 300 hitter Career 303 hitter, but he doesn't have any seasons with more than 108, 190 hits. So it's just one of those things that. I guess so. All right. You know what? Yeah. You know what? Fair enough then. So, with that being said, then congratulations, Mac, on your win. I mean, on your free win. I mean, uh... <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. And, and with that, that's going to move us off to our final segment of the day of the day as we are going to our moment to ourselves here we would take just a minute to talk about whatever is on our mind oh and also thank you to splash for putting it together i'm sorry i completely squeendered it but no, it's all good i wanted to try out something new and you guys were up to the task and you didn't risk any balls today good job <laughs> i mean to be fair i should have it would the game would take it a little bit longer but anyway we're gonna move to the moment to ourselves here. Does anyone have something they would like to talk about first immediately? Or yes. yep. All right, Splash, you're gonna go first. Yes. I will get a timer up for you. So all right, if you are ready, you've got three, two, one, begin. So this last weekend, the Los Angeles Dodgers did the over 
um, the what's the word I'm looking for over. It took long enough, but they finally retired Fernando Valenzuela's jersey number 34. And I think this was overdue. I think this is he is a cult hero. He is a legend of the game. And no, he doesn't have as many wins as Tom Seaver. No, he doesn't have as many strikeouts as Roger Clemens, whatever. But there are a few, just a few guys in baseball history that mean as much to baseball to me as Fernando Valenzuela. He is a guy that is a big reason why I'm into baseball, into pitching as much as I am. Just Fernando Mania, just that idea. And it you look at the 1981 season, and it's not this unbelievable, you know, Pedro Martinez season, but one rookie of the year, one Cy Young, and just he captured the hearts of Dodger fans, Americans in general, baseball fans in general. And I got that from a, a MLB Network short, and that that's really stuck with me. And I'm glad the Dodgers, you know, waived their policy of only retiring numbers for MLB Hall of Famers. So thank you. Fair enough. 100% fair enough. All right. Mac, would you like to go next or uh, would you like me to go? Yeah, I'll, I'll go next. All right. Sounds good. Your time starts in three, two, one, begin. So, so my sort of is kind of relevant given our trivia segment today. And that's Ben Verlander tweeted, uh, what, you know, what do you think is the most unbreakable record? And one, I, I really think people are sleeping on this. And I tweeted it out, but Ichiro's 262 hits in a season. I don't see how anyone's going to break this. You know, we haven't had anyone eclipse 200 since Whit Merrifield did in, two, uh, in 2019 with 206. And the closest anyone has gotten to that record other than Ichiro was Jose Altuve with 225. I just, I think people are underestimating how hard it is to get a base hit in a baseball game every day. So when you, when you look at it, I just don't see how anyone will get close to 262, especially with how many times you get walked if you're a good hitter nowadays, like Splash said about Mike Trout or, you know, Aaron Judge or Shohei Otani. I just don't see 262 hits in the season. It took long enough for Ichiro to catch up to George Sisler. I don't see anyone catching Ichiro anytime soon. No, yeah, I 100% am on board with that. I still think the most unbreakable record is still Cal Ripken Jr.'s uh, Ironman record without baseball just works now. But uh, it, was, I also, it was too common of an answer, so I had to go with understandable. one. Understandable. Now, the one I posted on the Losses Above Replacement Twitter uh, was the was three hits in an inning. Why? By Johnny because Damon. You'd have, yeah, you'd have to get four, and that just four hits in an inning or three straight no hitters or three grand slams in one inning, like those kind of things. I know it's not, you know, it's not as cool of a record or I guess as well known of a record, but those are ones like, I think the rules of baseball would have to change for those to happen. I think, you know, the Ricky Henderson steals, like there's been a Ricky before, right? That's one of one, but like, Ichiro has done that before, and the the single game stuff I think just goes above and beyond like human comprehension almost. Yeah, I know it. There's a lot that goes on with it, so I'm ready to do now my next as uh, my moment to myself. Here we go. Three, two, one, begin. 
Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about self-care because I think this is something that people need to be focusing on a lot more. Over the last couple of weeks, I haven't been sleeping as much. I've just been busy with work, with social obligations, all this other fun stuff. And I was truly exhausted. And it was a problem where over the last bit, I felt irritable. I felt stupidly tired to the point where like at work, I felt myself like basically falling asleep and I needed to avoid that. But on top of it, you know, just I'm realizing more and more that I'm becoming overbooked. I need to be careful about that. I think all of us kind of do whenever we find ourselves busy a lot of the time, just make sure you take a little bit of time out of your day to tell yourself that you're doing well, that you're doing all right. Drink a little bit extra water, go for a walk, stretch, do whatever you can like that. Cause I got to tell you just for me doing that kind of stuff, while it may not solve the problem, it definitely helps get going in the right track. And to be fair, you don't always need to make that big leap. Small steps will get you there too. But that's enough for the moment to ourselves. Here, unless there's any of the last topics we want to talk about briefly before we go and end off for the day. Pitchers and catchers oh, yeah. report next week. So let's go. <laughs> this is our last week without baseball for a while. Oh, so let's. Hell. Let's get going. Super Bowl is on Sunday and baseball season begins unofficially begins the next day. And for I, the best baseball content on the Twitterverse, <laughs> make sure you follow at LAR underscore baseball. Exactly. Follow at LAR underscore baseball. We've been posting especially the one season wonders uh, graphics made by Splash, you've done an amazing job with that, taking the Emily Power Pros format and modernizing it a little good bit. And it looks fantastic. So again, a shout out to Splash for that as well. But that's going to do it for our show. I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in today. Make sure you go follow me on Twitter at the Sports Guy 242 You can go follow Mac on Twitter at uh, Matthias underscore A underscore K. Make sure you go follow Splash at Mr. Splashman19. And you go follow the Losses Above Replacement Twitter account. We already said earlier, but I'll say it again. Um, at LAR underscore baseball on Twitter. But for Mac and Splash, I'm at Alex Clark. Thank you so much for tuning in to Losses Above Replacement. Have a great rest of your day. Stay safe. I hope to see you all real soon. Thank you.